Welcome to Real Talk with Real Life. It's your host, Ryan Riggs. Again, uh, today we have an amazing special guest, uh, Jill Chickowitz. She is the founder of A Night for Scott, which is a fundraiser that she has partnered with, with the McShin Foundation to provide scholarship funds for people that are suffering with substance use disorder. Um, you know, we've known each other for a really long time. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've been able to watch you on this journey, and it's been amazing uh, to do that, and I'm glad that we have a good working relationship, and I'm, um, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to see what you, what you do in the future, but, um, you know, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And, uh, and I want you to, I guess, tell a listening audience a little bit about yourself uh, before we get started. Okay, well, as Ryan said, I'm Jill Chickowitz. Um, I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia. I'm one of five children. Um, I married a man in the Army, and we've been gone for, I guess, like 14 years. We moved back about two years ago when he retired. Um, and I, I'm living in Melothian. I've got two little boys that I'm a stay-at-home mom to, and um, I'm your average regular neighbor. <laughs> I'm just a regular girl next door. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I kind of know the story, but everybody else doesn't. So what 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 happened, and um, you know what led you to kind of uh, on this path of advocacy? We uh, we know that you had a brother Scott, yes. who was also a friend of mine, that. Um, you know, that suffer with substance use disorder. So, um, you know, what kind of led you to the position that you are now to be able um, to, to do advocacy and, and, and things of that nature? Okay, well, Scott, um, Scott Zorowski is my twin brother. He died from an accidental drug overdose on February 28th, 2017. He, uh, he battled with substance use disorder probably since high school. Um, some people know that he had a girlfriend that was killed in a tragic car accident, and it kind of led him to use marijuana, maybe compartmentalize his feelings. He should have probably gone to counseling. He did not. And uh, the drug use kind of went on from there. He sustained a back injury, I guess about 10 years ago, um, got addicted to prescription drugs, and then eventually um, he was getting scripts from several doctors at one point, and the prescription stopped, so he basically asked a friend who gave him a pain pill that happened to be uh, fake. It was mixed with fentanyl. And then he ended up dying and um, grab, grabbing a cup of coffee at Starbucks. He died on a, st- a Starbucks curb. And so I would imagine that was, I mean, regardless of if you had prepared for that or not, I'm sure, you know, when, when people suffer with substance use disorder, a lot of times the families kind of prepares themselves for the death, but I'm pretty sure that nothing could really prepare you for, for that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Scott was very open with us about his drug use. Uh, we've all tried to help him for several years, um, you know, rehab, let him come home, help him out in any way we could. Uh, but Scott was actually successful. He ran gyms in California where he lived. Um, he was, you know, good looking, tall and pretty good shape. And uh, I don't think anyone outside of our family knew that he struggled as much as he did. Um, but nothing does prepare you to think that uh, he's going to die from it. I, I can honestly say he bounced back whenever he would OD or have some issues with drugs. He was able to pull it back together. Um, none of us ever thought, you know, foolishly, and maybe we we're naive, that he would actually die from drugs. So I know, so July is Parental Bereavement Month, as you know, and I know Scott wasn't your child, but um, I would imagine that there was a lot of bereavement, you know, in regards to you losing your twin brother. And so... Um, you know, from that point after, you know, his death and, um, you know, I'm not trying to get you too emotional or whatever, but what kind of process did you go through after that, um, 
you know, that kind of led you up to the point to where, um, you know, I know I, I ended up talking to you and we ended up connecting and then, you know, you had all these ideas and you ended up taking off running with it and developing the things that you did as far as the advocacy and the, the Night for Scott and the, um, was it Scott Zabrowski Scholarship Fund? Yes. Um, but, like, what did that look like from the time that you found out that he had passed away until, um, you know, you finally decided, hey, like, I, I got to do something about this? Right. Um, so after he died in February, um, you know, it shattered my entire family. Um, and particularly, you know, I would say myself, I'm being his twin. Um, it took me months to, to try to grasp this and understand this. And even to this day, I still don't believe he's gone. I mean, that's the sad part about all of this. But... Um, it took us months to have his funeral, which was that August, and uh, we had a small closed funeral with just our family and the grandchildren. And then I remember the next day, um, I looked at my mom and I said, you know, this, this can't be the end. This is not his legacy. This is not where it ends. And so um, we were sending him to the McShin Foundation for rehab, and he was agreeing to come home. He just never made it. And then that's when I reached out to you, Ryan had lunch with you, which you led me to everybody, and I do owe you a, a very big thank you because I wouldn't have gotten the contacts I did without your help, so I do really, I owe a lot to you. <laughs> um, so then I went to the McShin Foundation, discussed what I wanted to do, um, went to Sheriff Carl Leonard, and uh, discussed it with him, and it kind of really fell into my lap. It just was like a domino effect, and it just became very easy to set up the scholarship fund and to... You know, I was sitting in, um, I think, Paxton's office in McShin, and I said, I want to do a fundraiser, and I want to name it A Night for Scott. It just kind of fell out of my mouth, and we just ran with it. So I, I just want to share this story. Like, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I think when we were sitting at the place eating and we were talking about it, you know, how like where you could go with this stuff, and you were like, um, what about Sheriff Carl Leonard? Do you know Carl? Yes, and I, and yes. I was like, <laughs> I was like, actually, I do. I, yeah. I've been working there, you know, up until I had, had left and went to a different job, and um and so I think that, you know, the universe or, you know, whatever you want to call it had kind of lined up at that point. Absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, it, it just was the right time, you right. know, and, and the way things played out. So um, so tell me a little bit about uh, the Scott Zabrowski Scholarship Fund and A Night for Scott. Okay, so, um, so it took months to try to kind of pull it together, and I would say we actually got it on the books in December, and I held the first one in February of last year, right around the one-year mark of Scott's uh, passing. And um, it was amazing. We raised over $28,000 our first run, which I thought was pretty incredible. Um, it's a silent auction. We had uh, keynote speakers, Ryan being one of them, and then um, Dr. Abubakar, Sheriff Leonard, John Schenholzer. Um, so the Scott Zabrowski Scholarship Fund, um, the money does go to the McShin Foundation. They do... Um, help with the people seeking recovery, counseling, doctors, whatever they, they use the money for is to help people get well. And um, we are planning to do it again um, next year, February 16th, 2019. Um, details will follow, but we're doing it at the Salisbury Country Club again. And the goal this year will be $40,000. And we do have um, prior NFL football player Luke Wallet and um, Dave Bratt, we're hoping, is coming to speak. And the CEO from McShin Honesty will be coming to speak. And you're guaranteed to have a good night. We'll have music, and it's going to be really fun, hopefully. That's awesome. I look forward to it. I thought, I, you know, I've been to a lot of events, and I think that um, I can remember even saying when I was there, you know, uh, that of all the events I went to, with such short amount of planning, right. I mean, you're kind of like a fundraising genius, you know, and uh, <laughs> you, you do things, you, you make stuff happen. I think being there was just an amazing venue, amazing event, right. uh, very well put together, and it was a uh, 
one of the highlights of my year, personally. Mine, too. Um, and so one of the other things I know is that, uh, you know, aside from the Night for Scott fundraiser, um, and I love this this idea that you came up with, is aside from the Night for Scott you've been doing, I think you called it a Day for Scott, or, or different um, volunteer things that you're doing in the community um, where you're going out and kind of, uh, you know, I know you're serving food uh, to the guys at the healing place and you're yes. doing other things. So if you want to tell me a little bit about the volunteer stuff that you're doing in the community um, as well, that'd be great. Okay, yeah. Well, I don't want to always ask for things for Night for Scott because it is sponsorships, auction items. I'm asking for people to give. So I feel like throughout the year, I think it's really important to give back to the community in which we live. Um, Scott was really big on volunteering at homeless shelters, churches. He would give people, um, you know, money on the street. I remember he would just give them food. If he had anything, he would give it to them. So I feel like we need to kind of honor Scott in that sense as well. So on August 11th, we're going to serve dinner at the Healing Place to the men in recovery, which is, I think, about 200 men. I do have a planning committee now that consists, there's five of us now. So this is growing, so we need some more help. Um, And then September 15th, we're going to do a day for Scott at the Chesterfield Food Bank. And um, we're going to get shirts and say a day for Scott and give back again and bring our children and hopefully um, make a difference in our community. Um, I also serve on the philanthropy committee at McShin, and I just want to continue to keep, you know, staying involved in this community, you know, erasing the stigma and educating people to understand that it comes from, you know, regular families like my own, and it it, it can shatter you and devastate you, but you also need to try to turn it around and turn it into something positive because you can't just sit back and watch it continue to happen. So you, you, you hit on a key word. You were talking about stigma, and I think, um, you know, when Ann was here, when Ann Moss Rogers was here, that's one of the things she talked about too, um, you know, the stigmatization of substance use disorder, suicide, mental health, things like that. Um, you know, how do you think that that played into uh, your brother's uh, issues that he had? Well, you know, I think, you know, the stigma, you know, I'm it's huge. I think people think you have a person in mind that you think is an addict. And to be honest, I used to be the same girl. I was a little naive, you know. It's the guy living under the bridge that's doing drugs. It's not the guy living in the suburbs that comes from a strong Catholic family. He's very close to his parents. You know, I, I used to think that I had a certain person in my, in my mind that did drugs, and Scott did not fit that image. So when he actually died from it, I thought his story was really important. And I do believe he wants me to tell his story. I do feel him every day guiding me, pushing me, telling me, get the story out. You can help others. They will listen to you. Don't stop. I feel it in me every day of my life. I have goosebumps right now. (laughs) I totally believe that he's telling me to do this. Yeah, I believe so too. And, um, you know, I, I think that the things that you're doing, you know, in the community are helping to, to, to destigmatize, you know, uh, the more people that we get kind of going out, talking freely, being public, you know, I know you've been on the news a few times, um, you know, promoting the, the Night for Scott thing, and, and you've also just recently went to Chesterfield, um, you know, I think it was Channel 6 or Channel 8. Channel 8 with Gretchen Ross, yeah, yeah at the Heart Program with Sheriff Leonard again. Yeah. Right, and so I think that the more, um, you know, I, I agree with you 100%, I think people have an idea of, what a person with substance use disorder or, you know, for lack of a better term, what people call an addict, what that looks right. like. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, it, it kind of, it does not discriminate. It spans Absolutely. all economic yeah. classes, all races, all sexual orientations, Absolutely. Uh, all religions. Like, it does not matter, you know, where you come from or who you are. The disease of addiction does not care. You're absolutely right. After I did the first uh, Night for Scott, 
several people reached out to me privately and and discussed some of their um, issues and it's you know addiction and drugs and pain pills and alcohol and I was blown away I mean it's not anybody it's your hairdresser it's your dentist it's the mailman you have no idea who's really battling this and I remember um, I spoke with you know Tiffany with the healing place and she said to me thank you for bringing your story forward because nobody expects you to walk in and say the story you're about to say. So thank you for bringing your story forward because people see it really does not discriminate. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the most powerful things about advocacy work is not only the work that you do with the fundraising and things like that, but oftentimes some of the most powerful things I think that come up, come about um, from doing advocacy work is giving people the freedom to be able to say, you know what, me too. You right. know, like this happened to me too, or I know somebody that struggles with this. People that kind of have hid, and you know, uh, our problem seems to grow in the dark. But when, when we give it the light of exposure, you know, that's when the help um, yeah. that we need kind of kind of comes about. So I'm grateful for you for all that you do. Oh, thank you. And I, I'm learning every day. Every day, I'm learning more about addiction, substance use disorder, and I think people. I wish they would understand the genetics aspect and the mental illness aspect. You know, I used to think, you know, like I said, I thought Scott was kind of just partying and didn't want to, you know, grow up. But the more I've learned about it and the genetics factor and background and environment, I realize, you know, it, when I say he's a victim, I truly believe that because the cards were stacked against him. I don't think, you know, I think he could have gotten well, but, you know, it, I just want other people to know the story, to know that they can get well. They shouldn't be embarrassed to bring it forward because too many people, it's an epidemic. And I think me bringing it forward right now People want to get involved but don't know how. And then when I talk about this, yes, yes, I want to sponsor. Yes, I want to come. And it makes me happy that they all are on board with me. All right, so one of the questions I've been throwing around in my head that I want to ask people, just because I find it intriguing, um, you know, what drives people? You know, like what is the driving force behind somebody's, what is their purpose, what is their passion? And so uh, I pose that question to you, you know. Um, I know... Uh, you know, I guess life is a journey of discovery, and we sometimes, uh, you know, our passions change and things like that, and our purposes change. But at the present moment, right now, you know, what do you feel like is your most prominent uh, passion and purpose? Yeah, in all honesty, you know, I probably, I know I wouldn't be doing this if Scott hadn't died. Um, you know, I've always had, a, you know, felt sorry for people that had this, but I didn't really have the drive. Um, once he passed, I don't know, it just, it lit a fire in me. I mean, it is, it is really, and I think it's my way of healing and coping with his death. Maybe it's kind of, you know, pushing that aside and knowing that I'm doing something good. It makes my heart happy. If I see someone, if I know one family succeeds and gets well and we save one life, then I feel like we've succeeded. But it's a constant, you know, I just get so excited when I know that we're doing something good. And I want people to remember Scott for what he was. He was a good person. He wasn't, you know, perfect. Obviously, he had flaws. Everybody does. Um, you know, he could annoy me like nobody else. But I loved him, um, you know, unconditionally, and I always supported him no matter what he went through. But I want to keep his memory alive. I want to help people in his name, and I want to honor him and leave a legacy behind of the Scott that I knew and that my family remembers. All right. Well, um, so the, I guess the next thing I want to do before we get out of here is give you an opportunity to give one more plug for the uh Scott Sprouse Scholarship Fund and a Night for Scott. Let everybody know when it is, what okay. time it is. Uh, have you had a, you have a date set yet? Yes, it's okay. February sixteenth, two thousand nineteen, at Salisbury Country Club, and you know we are going to go on um, Channel Eight News and promote it again. It's going to be on six radio stations again, and, you know, a little closer to the dates. 
Um, but we are starting to take auction items right now. We are taking sponsorships. Uh, my planning committee is starting to work hard to collect these items, and it's a great cause, and it's you know a good night. And it's the, the magic that happens when we're at these events. You just feel like you're making a difference in the community. So if somebody wanted to say, I'm a, I'm a person out here and I want to donate, how would I go about doing that? You can go to mixgen.org. You can talk to Alden there, or um, we can put my address, my email address, Jill, or I can put my contact information, and, and we can get it to any of us. Okay. Well, thank you again for being here today, Jill. Uh, I, once again, I admire everything you're doing. Um, you keep it up. I think the future is bright uh, in regards to the amount of uh, change that you're going to affect in the community. I think I told you a long time ago, um, you know, it was like right before the night for Scott, I was like, you really have no idea the lives that you're changing by doing this. And oh, absolutely. I, I still am stunned when, when we, you know, accomplish something and I get a little embarrassed. But, you know, I, like I said, I want to erase the stigma and I want people to know they should fight for tomorrow. You know, they've been given a second chance. You know, take it. Well, thank you for coming on today. And, uh, you know, hopefully one day uh, in, the, in the near future we can uh, do a follow-up and kind of track your progress and continue to see you know, uh, the great things that you're doing in the community. So thank you. I would love it. Thanks for having me.